The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Well, good morning. Good to have all of you with, with me here this morning. And just go ahead and open your Bible. We'll start at Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, we're, we're talking right now about the model of the church. And uh, last time we met, I, I, I began our examination uh, of the model of the church using the church in Jerusalem. And uh, last time we said that it was a unified church, and we saw that they were all in agreement, and they were all like-minded, and we discussed that. Now today I want to continue into this, and i got a lot to say today. As you look at the study sheet, you see I have 20 different points to make. Um, somebody said, oh. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to move along as fast as I can, try to get us through all of these. Uh, now, this is nothing new. This, you're not going to sit there today and say, I never heard of that before. This is all the regular stuff. But you know one thing about humans? We're, um, we're forgetful. We forget a lot. And uh, we need to be reminded often of these things. So that's what we're going to do today. We're just going to kind of take... A refresher course, just kind of jog our memory a little bit concerning these, these things. And uh, the Lord will bless, I'm sure, and, and help us to remember them in times of need. But number, number two on, 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 our, on our study of the model of the church is that we see that the church in Jerusalem, uh, that it was a praying church. It was a praying church. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 14, we read, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Uh, let's pray before we go any further. Father, thank you for this time. Holy Spirit, thank you for uh, your presence in our life. I just pray now, Father, that uh, all that is said today would be to glorify you and would be useful to, to us as your children. Thank you for this time now. Bless it, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we read, these all continued with one accord. And we looked at that last week, last time, that they were unified. In, it says, prayer and supplication. Uh, now, when we look carefully at this verse, two things leap out at me. Number one, first is this. They continued in prayer. They continued in prayer. In other words, their praying was consistent. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17 we read, pray without ceasing. Now, of course, we understand that this is not to say that we as God's children should be always on our knees or ever lifting our, up our hands and vocally calling upon God. And this is not the teaching of that verse. Uh, such a practice would prevent us or infringe upon the time we need for other parts of our religious worship, as well as the duties of our civil life. Um, besides this, it would be impractical for however willing a spiritual man might be to engage in prayer always, the flesh is weak. And we would not be able to physically bear such a life as that. Our body requires food. Um, and you can look at me and see that I tend to that need regularly. 
Our body requires food and drink. You know, I'm amazed. I tried to drink the amount of water that's recommended for an adult. That's a lot of water. Do you know that? That's a lot of water. I have a hard time. But our body requires food, requires drink, and that drink is water, not liquor. Drink, sleep, and rest. These things are required. Uh, it's required for our body's refreshment and support. Uh, but the meaning of this verse, when it says pray without ceasing, the meaning is that we as believers should be consistently found in the performance of our duty to pray. We should be, in other words, consistently in prayer. Uh, for our wants, our daily wants, uh, return upon us each morning. Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. And, and we have a daily need for sustenance, right? We have a daily need for, for these things. And so we, we need to regularly come back to the Lord to pray for those things. We have a need of, uh, uh, of, of more grace and more strength and more assistance as we face the trials and the exercises of daily life. So praying once a month is not sufficient. We need to come to the Lord consistently, daily, Throughout the day. So we pray without ceasing doesn't mean that we, 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 we pray constantly, but that we pray frequently. Uh, this would imply that we do not cease praying, that we do not leave off praying, that we don't give up because an answer isn't immediate or, or doesn't come quickly. Um, we should continue in prayer and be consistent, not to leave off, from our prayer, nor should we quit through discouragement because an answer is not immediately had or, or through carelessness and, and negligence, but continue in it and be often at it. Listen, we, we can't pray once or twice and then say, oh well, God is not listening, and give up. Uh, I know people that have come to me and have told me I prayed for, for decades for the salvation of my mother or my father. And, and, and the, you don't give up. You just keep going back to the throne of God. You, ki- you continue constantly, daily, hourly sometimes. Uh, there's, there, there's things such as fasting where we, we set aside time, where we do nothing but pray. And, and we show God the earnest in our prayer when we do things such as that. I'm not talking to, I am talking, I'm sorry, to some this morning who need to hear an answer to prayer. And Pastor mentioned it a moment ago, in, in, the, in the aftermath of these fires, there are many people that are, that are hurt and, and are in great need now. And they need an answer to prayer. I'm talking to some this morning who are wavering in their faith. Some who are beginning to doubt God's abilities or even God's concern. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in that place in your life where things are going so bad for you? That you're, you wonder if God is even aware of what's happening to you? Well, well, my dear friends, these are not the times to quit praying. These are the times to increase our prayer. Now these men and women in the church of Jerusalem were continuing in prayer and supplication. They were not going to give up. They were not going to doubt. And neither should we. Now... I want to share with you 12 reasons for prayer. 
12 reasons we ought to be consistent in prayer and 12 reasons we should not quit praying. First of all, number one is because prayer defeats the devil. Prayer defeats the devil. In James chapter 4, we read, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts, that war in your members? Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not. Because, James writes, ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. Then in verse 7, he writes, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Prayer defeats the devil. Now, we need to, we need to have a, 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 an understanding of the power of Satan. And we need, to, we need to be afraid of what he can do. But we need to remember this. We have the weapon that we need against Satan. And that weapon is the word of God. And when we stand upon God's word and when we call upon God and resist Satan, he will run from you. He will flee. So prayer defeats the devil. Number two. Prayer saves the sinner. Prayer saves the sinner. Luke chapter 18. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Prayer saves the sinner. And and you and I pray for our unsaved relatives. Why? Because prayer saves the sinner. And we don't know when God will open their eyes. We don't know when God may touch their heart and when they may, may, may be revealed to the truth. But we continue to pray. We don't stop. Prayer saves the sinner. Number three, I want to remind us that prayer restores the backslider. James chapter 5. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Did you hear that? Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Prayer restores the backsliders. I've heard many testimonies of, of men in, in, in the churches that I've served in over the years where they'll come and they'll say, well, I, I um, grew up in church, but then I fell away from the Lord and, and I was out there in the world and living my life. And, and I, but I could always feel some pull, some constant pull. And they'll say, because my mother and my grandmother were praying for me every day. How many of you have ever been through something and you, you, you can sense that people are praying for you. Any of you, any of you feel that way? Yeah, it's, it's, it's real. And prayer restores the backslider. Listen, you, you know of a brother or sister in this church that has fallen by the wayside? Don't write them off. Don't forget about them. Don't, don't say, yeah, well, I knew they never really were serious about all this. Pray for them. By the way, but by the grace of God, so goes you. Pray for them. Pray for the prayer restores the backslide. Number four, prayer strengthens the saints. Prayer strengthens the saints. Jude writes in his book, verses 20 and 21, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, 
praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus unto eternal life. Prayer strengthens the saints. Think about professional athletes for a moment. Not too long, because it'll, it'll take away some of your, your intelligence. But just think about professional athletes for a moment. What do, they do to, what do they do to get strength? Well, they get in the weight room, right? They lift those weights, and they get on the training field, and they train, and they practice, and, and they, they run. They do things. I, I, I watch some of their training routines, and I say to myself, wow, what are you doing that for? But it builds up their strength, right? So where, where is our training room? The prayer closet. That's your training room. What you do when no one else is there. When you, go into, when you go alone in secret and you get on your knees and you go to the Lord and you begin to pray. That's your training room. That's where you're going to gain strength. That's what's going to build you up in your, most, in, your, in your faith. Prayer strengthens the saints. You show me a strong Christian, I'll show you a praying Christian. You show me a Christian who doesn't pray and I'll show you a very weak believer. Prayer strengthens the saints. Next, number five. Prayer sends forth laborers. Matthew chapter 9. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into this harvest. James said you have not because why? You ask not. You know why a lot of churches fail in the area of outreach and fail in the area of, of serving their own people? It's because of a lack of prayer. We, a lot of times we don't have what we need because we don't ask for it. And, and, and in, the, in the church, within, within our church, uh, we need to pray for... For laborers, we need to pray that God will send us people that can help us in the work. And we need to not only pray for that, but we also, by the way, need to pray for those that are doing the work. We need to pray for our pastor. We need to pray for our deacons. We need to pray for our Sunday school teachers. We need to pray for Mr. Gerald. Please, pray for Mr. Gerald. We need to pray for him as he, as he directs and guides our, our, our teen group, our youth. We need to pray for these people. We need to pray for each other. We need to pray for the mothers in this room who are raising children. We need to pray for the fathers in this room who are, who are going out every day to earn a living for their family. We need to pray for the grandmothers and the grandfathers in this room who, who by the way, being one, I know the burden upon me every day for my, for, for my family, for my grandchildren. We need to pray for this. We need to pray for all these things. Prayer is, is so precious. You know what's great about prayer for a believer? You don't have to be able to talk. You, you, could, be, you could be mute and still pray. Because God hears your thoughts. And, and you don't need to pray. Sometimes when I drive to work in the morning, uh, fortunately it's, it's 5 a.m. and it's dark. Because, boy, sometimes I'm sitting there just going at it talking to the Lord or singing a hymn. 
and, and, and these kind of things, and my mouth is just a going away. And, but, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. God knows your thoughts. He knows the intents of your heart. And we need to pray. Pray for laborers. Number six, prayer heals the sick. James chapter 5, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Prayer heals the sick. Now, not, maybe not every time. If it's God's will for a person to, to endure that trial and, and even, even perhaps be, be gathered up to be with the Lord, then, then so be the will of God. But prayer can, can heal the sick. And, and we, need to, we need to be aware of that. We need to remember that. Number seven, prayer glorifies the name of God. Psalm 81 and verse 10, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. Prayer glorifies the name of God. We need to be people of prayer. Number eight, prayer initiates the impossible, or what seems to be impossible to us. Acts chapter 12, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of, uh, without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly, and his chains fell off from his hands. Prayer will initiate the impossible. Peter was laying there, and he had a, a, a guard on the right and a guard on the left, and they were chained to him. And at the door of his cell, there was a man, a guard there, posted to, to make sure that the, that the cell stayed shut. Now, how are you going to get Peter out of that? Well, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And the angel of the Lord came and tapped Peter on the side and said, Hey, get up. The chains fell off. The Bible doesn't say whether the door opened or not. It might not have. They might have just walked straight through it. I don't know. But Peter was freed by, the, by, by that. And, and who had been praying for him? Well, the church had. They'd been having a 24-hour round-the-clock prayer meeting that, that God would, would spare Peter. And God answered their prayer. You see, we just don't believe. We, we hear all of the, the things, we hear all the right things, and we even say the right things. But we just really don't believe that in this day and age, God still does miracles. Matter of fact, when somebody talks about a miracle, people go, miracle. Right? You see miracles every day and don't even realize it. Every day. You see a miracle happen and, and you don't even realize it. You walk right past it and just don't even think about it. So, I'm not going to get into all of that, but prayer initiates the impossible. Number nine, prayer imparts wisdom. Prayer imparts wisdom. James chapter 1, verse 5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. 
that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given. Prayer imparts wisdom. Now, we all know that God doesn't speak to you or me with an audible voice. But he can, he can make an impression in our heart and mind. And when we pray and ask God for wisdom, he will send wisdom our way. You don't know who that might be. Could come in the, could come from, from, from some book you read. It could come from some sermon you hear. It can, it could come from some little child on the street that you observe. But God will grant his wisdom to those who ask for it. So prayer imparts wisdom. Number 10, prayer bestows peace. Philippians chapter 4, Paul writes, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, wait a minute. I'm not saying that prayer will cause the cease of war in the world. You understand that? Prayer will not stop war. Uh, we, we know that. Because war will be a part of this life until the Lord comes and brings order to this earth. What peace are we talking about? In here. God will grant you peace. Prayer will bring you peace. It will bring you peace for that trouble you're facing. When you pray, God will grant you his peace. And though you may not fully understand what's happening... There will be a peace about you that is imparted to you from God through your prayers. He'll give you peace in the conflict that you face. He'll give you peace in the worries that you have, in the fears that you face. Prayer will, will give you the peace of God, which is un, no one can understand fully. But a peace will come upon you. Prayer bestows peace. Number 11, prayer delivers from sin. Matthew chapter 26. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing. But the flesh is weak. You know we, we go through life. And we face trials. And we, we face temptations. And we struggle. And we fight not to give in. And, and, and we do all these things. But so often. People fail to do the one thing. That can, that can help them to overcome that temptation or that sin. And that is, they fail to take the time to pray. And again, they fail to do that partially because of unbelief. But prayer delivers from sin. Uh, I was a smoker before I got saved. I was a smoker. And a heavy smoker. And, but I didn't want to smoke. But I couldn't help but smoke because uh, I, I know from experience that nicotine is very, is very addictive. But when I got saved, I knew in my heart I could conquer that. And I told God, I said, God, every time I get an urge to smoke, I'm going to drop to my knees wherever I am and I'm going to pray until you take it away. You know how many times I, I had to do that? God took it away right then. He took it away. 
And prayer delivers us from sin. That's why when people come to me and they say, I'm struggling with this, I say, have you prayed to God? Go to God. Make a commitment. Be sincere. Be serious. Go to God. Make a commitment. And I, I guarantee you God will answer that prayer. You think, do you, how many of you believe God wants you to sin? Anybody? Now, how many of you believe if you pray in earnest and ask God to deliver you from sin? How many of you believe he will? Of course he will. Again, it goes back to us not believing. Or, as James said, you ask amiss to consume it upon your lust. You're not really sincere. You don't really mean it. You got some ulterior motive for doing what you're doing. And God knows that. And so, your prayer goes unanswered. But prayer delivers from sin. Number, number 12. Prayer reveals God's will. Prayer reveals God's will. Luke 11, verse 9. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Prayer reveals the will of God. And sometimes, by the way, when we pray, the will of God is no. Sometimes it's no. You know, when I was raising my kids, I had a rule. They come to me, hey, Dad, can I? No. Immediately, no. Okay, what do you want? See, I can always change my mind and say yes. But you're in trouble if you said yes and, and it should have been no. So parents use that rule. Dad, can I? No. But no. We got no established. Now what do you want? But prayer reveals the will of God. You know, I don't know why. I'll know when I get to heaven. And, and, and he'll explain. We'll, we'll know all things. I don't know why. Sometimes God likes to put his will where it's not so easily found. He doesn't hide it from us. God never hides his will from us. But sometimes, sometimes God likes to play hide and seek. And it's like an Easter egg hunt. You know, you don't put the eggs, unless you have little children, you don't put the eggs out in the, in the bright sun where they can, the kids can see them. You, you, put them, you put them where they have to look and search and seek. Because God desires us to look and search and, search and seek. But prayer will always reveal God's will for you. Sometimes it's no. Sometimes, sometimes our prayer reveals to us that God says, no, I want you to go ahead and do this. I want this to happen. I want you to go through this. So prayer. There are a lot of, lot of things that we gain from prayer. And it's so important. Now we go back to our text verse, and that is, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. But the second thing that leaks leaps out at me when I look at that verse is this. They were in they were in accord in prayer. It says they were in one accord in prayer and supplication. Now last week, last time we, we met, we learned that to be in accord means to be in agreement. Matthew chapter 18, we read again, I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. 
For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Now these, these Jerusalem Christians all learned how to get things from God. They learned to avoid those things that would hinder their prayers. So, in conclusion this morning with my last 12 or 13 minutes, what things can hinder our prayers? These people lived in accord, in agreement, in their prayers and supplication, and they avoided the things, as a a church body, they avoided the things that would hinder their prayers from God, or to God. So what things can hinder our prayers? And and I'm not talking about just individual, I'm talking about as a church. Because we are discussing the church here. As a church, what things could hinder the prayers of our church? Well, number one, unconfessed sin. Psalm 66, verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And that's why our church believes in church discipline, which is very unpopular nowadays. You don't find many churches that practice church discipline. But as a body of believers, if if we just sit in the pew and we know things are going on within our church and we're not dealing with it, we're just ignoring it, as they did at the church in Corinth, those unconfessed sin, that undealt with sin within our church body, will hinder our prayers unto God. What else will hinder our church, our our prayers as, as a body of believers? Well, insincerity. Insincerity. Now these, these points can definitely be applied to us as individuals. But again, we're talking about the church here this morning. Insincerity. Matthew 6, 5. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I send to you, they have their reward. Insincerity in the church will hinder the, the prayers of the church. You know, I, I'm, I'm really, I'm really thankful. This, this, um, these fires and these things that happened here genuinely touched the heart of the pastor. They genuinely did, to the point that he is, he is desirous to do things here that are, that are helpful to people in need. And that's the sincerity. And, and, and that's what we need as a body of believers. We need to be sincere. And, and we need to live a sincere life. Genuine, genuinely love the Lord. Genuinely pray. Genuinely seek to glorify Him in everything we do. Not just on Sunday, but on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday as well. Sincerity. What else? What else can, can hinder our prayers? Number three, carnal motives. Or fleshly motives, you might say. James said, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss. Then that you may consume it upon your lusts. I've known people that have that have come to churches just to get something out of being here. And, and I don't mean something spiritual. I mean I've had people walk through the door and and say, I have a you know, when I when I, I used to be the youth director, they'd come they'd come and they'd say, I got a I got a wayward teen, I want you to fix him. <laughs> you want me to fix him? What do, you, what do you think I am? 
And, and they get angry at the church and leave the church if things don't turn out the way they want. I knew a man once who came to our church here, and he joined our church, and, and he wanted to become a deacon, but he was not qualified to be a deacon. And when he found out he couldn't be a deacon, he left. He got mad and left the church. You see, his motive for being here wasn't sincere. His motive for being here had fleshly roots. And we have to be careful. <laughs> we have to be careful that our motives are right. Our, and, and so the carnal motives, our fleshly motives. But what else? Number four, I've mentioned it already a couple of times. Unbelief. Unbelief will hinder the prayers of our church. But let a man ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. You know what, you know what I've, I've learned over the years? I've, 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 been, I've been in the ministry now for 37 years, and I've learned something. I've learned that when I ask God for something, I don't, a, I don't, I don't ask for what I want. I ask that his will be done. I ask that his will be done. And, and, and when I pray, I, I, I ask him, Lord, if your will is not for my, for my desire, then give me the grace to accept your will. And help me to do the right thing based upon your will, not my own. And we need to learn that. Oh, I could launch off, but I only have four more minutes. Um, number five, and I got some more points. Number five, domestic problems. Domestic problems can hinder our prayer life. And in the, in the case of the church, this would, be, this would be members bickering with one another, fighting with one another. You know, I'm, I'm, I thank God, as far as I know, we don't have any of that in this church. As far as I know, nobody in this church is at odds against anybody else in this church. And, and I, I praise the Lord for that. But that wasn't always that way here at Bereans. Some of you older Bereans who went through the, the pastoral transitions over the years know what I'm talking about. Wasn't always so peaceful around here, was it? And there was, there was quite some, quite some battle, battlings and bickerings. There were some, there was some gatherings in, in rooms in the corner, nibbling on the pastors. And, and there were, there were, there were little groups in the corners here and over there. And people, people calling each other on the phone and, and criticizing and backbiting and slandering and all this was going on. How many of you think God is actually pleased with all of that? No, he's not. And that kind of behavior hinders the work and the ministry of the church. Number six, pride. Pride will hinder prayer. Luke chapter 18. I can turn my page here. Luke chapter 18, uh, verses 10 through 14. I was going to read them, but I don't have time. We've got to keep moving. Number seven, unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Therefore, if thou bring thou gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Unforgiveness. When Jesus uh, taught his disciples to pray, he, what, did he, what did he say? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do we forgive our debtors? Do we forgive those that 
have offended us, have harmed us. Forgiveness is important. Over the years, I've learned that when people do something that I might consider for a moment to be offensive, (coughs) I stop and think about how offensive many times my life must be to God. And yet, he forgives me. He, He always, matter of fact, he forgives us before we even ask for forgiveness. He forgives us. So we need to learn to forgive each other. Amen? And then lastly, <coughs> uh, what, what hinders our prayers? Rebellion. Rebellion will hinder our prayer lives. Rebellion against God's will. Rebellion against God's man. <coughs> Rebellion against God's church. These things will hinder our prayer lives. Now prayer is a powerful tool. And it's 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 the most powerful weapon on the face of the earth. The prayer that the, the privilege that you have to come before God and bring your prayers to Him. Well, let me just say, use it. Use it. Uh, take full advantage of the privilege of prayer that we have with the Father. All right, folks. Thanks for being here today. You are dismissed. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronan Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www dot bbaptist dot org